About five minutes into the documentary, uh, what's the name of the documentary? Won't You Be My Neighbor? I, I get the documentary and the movie confused. About five minutes into the documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Uh, the journalist Tom Junot says, Mr. Rogers had a singular vision of kindness and love. But something I've been thinking a lot, a lot about in terms of Mr. Rogers is whether or not his attempts to influence America succeeded or not. And now at first that might seem like a, a question that comes from a place of cynicism, a, a journalist observing Mr. Rogers' life from the outside. But the truth is, is that question comes from a place of considerable closeness. See, Tom Junot was the real-life journalist whose life was made into the movie A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, the movie that was starring Tom Hanks. And I mentioned that movie a few weeks ago, and remember that there are a lot of fictionalized elements to it. But what is true is that Tom Junot and Mr. Rogers became very close friends after their little interviews that Tom Junot conducted for Esquire magazine. And what is also true is that Tom Junot was incredibly transformed by his interactions with Mr. Rogers, that he was in sort of this dark place in his life. Uh, he was writing a lot of kind of dark exposés on celebrities and and so he met Mr. Rogers at this time where he really needed to hear that message of love, that message of kindness. In an article in 2019 in The Atlantic, uh, Tom Juneau says that he was up in his attic and he found his 21-year-old laptop. Yes, they didn't make laptops that long ago. He found his 21-year-old laptop and he did some data recovery on it. And he found emails between him and Mr. Rogers. And those emails were things like Mr. Rogers reminding Tom Juno that he was praying for him every single day by name, or emails that were reminding Tom Juno just how loved that he was, and he said, I trust that you will remember that, Tom. And so when Tom Juno asks that question, did Mr. Rogers succeed in influencing America, it comes from that place of particular closeness. It comes from someone who experienced in profound measure that message, that singular vision of kindness and love. And we have been exploring that message over these last few weeks. Again, this is the final week of our series. I got the red sweater on finally at the, in the final week. It's not quite the right color red, but it'll work for right now, right? Sorry, Diane. We did our best. We did our best. <laughs> Apparently that red sweater, it was made by his, or all of his sweaters were made by his mom, so that's like a very particular, it's like Mr. Rogers red or something like that. <laughs> so we've been talking about that message of love and kindness, that message of creating a space for children for their mental health and well-being, uh, that it's not just a message that was for children, but a message for all of us, because we all still have that inner child within us. And Mr. Rogers was known for saying that you were a child once. And how many of us have had spaces in our own lives where we can assess our own mental health, to assess the things, the wounds that perhaps we received in childhood to become the best versions of ourselves? And Mr. Rogers provides that space. And so that question that Tom Juneau asks, I think is an important one, for us to consider because there is a lot that might make us think that Mr. Rogers did not succeed in influencing America. It's a message of unconditional love and universal acceptance, right? That it comes from his Christian faith that all of us are loved by God just as we are right now, not for who we will become. Remember his Dartmouth College commencement speech. He said, when I say I like, it's you I like. It means that you don't have to do anything spectacular for somebody to love you. And we would all believe that, right? We would all profess that because it comes from our Christian faith. But, 
But that was a message that proved to be controversial, that a lot of people saw Mr. Rogers as someone who corrupted generations of children with this idea that they don't have to do anything to make themselves loved. But what I wish that his critics would understand is that it's really hard for any of us to be successful in life unless we have our most basic of needs met. And what is more basic than love, than the ability to know that we are loved and the ability to give love? And so we live with this idea of conditional love, that we are only as good as what we can produce and what we can do. Mr. Rogers had a vision of, the, of a, a neighborhood, of, of where people could come together from diverse backgrounds, where Michigan and Michigan State fans could come gather together the day after a big game, where some of us are incredibly happy and others of us are extremely upset. He imagined a neighborhood as a place where people could work out difficult issues. Remember, the, the neighborhood of make-believe was not this place where, that was fanciful, but a place where real issues could be worked out. What happens when I'm fighting with my brother or my sister? What happens when mom and dad get divorced? He's working, working through these real-life issues. But what has happened is that a lot of us are retreating back into our echo chambers where we only really talk to those who already think like us. And so we are losing that ability to have those difficult conversations, conversations about the things that matter the most. Mr. Rogers imagined a world of kindness. And in a lot of ways, we've created something very much the opposite, that we've created a world that is enraged and outraged. Uh, we don't always know what to do with the mad that we feel inside. Uh, one of the biggest culprits of that is social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, those sorts of things. Um, one of the things that was revealed in that 60 Minutes interview with that woman who stole the documents to reveal what Facebook is actually doing, one of the things that was revealed is that Facebook is actually designed to show us the things that outrage us, that the algorithm, algorithms are specifically designed to show any specific user the things that the algorithm thinks will make you outraged. Because that's what drives interaction on the social media platform, which drives traffic, which drives uh, profits up. Well, we don't know what to do with the mad we feel inside, so we seem like we comment on people's things on Facebook. So did Mr. Rogers succeed in influencing America? Because there's a lot that we could point to that says maybe he didn't succeed. You know, the first time I saw that, that documentary, I was with Heather. It was, like our, it was our anniversary in, I think, 2018. We were down in Columbia, Missouri. We went to this little kind of artsy theater, and we ended up seeing this movie. And, and uh, the first time I heard Tom Juneau ask that question, I do this a lot in movies where I'll hear something, I'll be like, that would be a great sermon. And, and Heather kind of laughs at me. She says, just watch the movie. <laughs> um, but I do this a lot where I, I, I watch a movie, and it, and it generates a sermon for me or an idea for a sermon. And, and I heard Tom Juneau ask that question, did Mr. Rogers succeed in influencing America? And my mind immediately went to Jesus. Did Jesus succeed in influencing the world? And now at first that might seem like a somewhat strange question, that Christianity is the world's largest religion, right? There's over 2 billion people in the world who would claim to be some form of Christian. Uh, we are just now emerging from Christendom, or Christian-identified, Christian-formulated culture. There are churches in any town square. Go to any town USA and you'll find a church. Uh, the last church I served, we were one of five churches off of the town square. But that's not at the heart of my question. My question is not that Jesus succeed in creating a, the world's largest religion or a, a church in every town square. My, my question is, did Jesus succeed in influencing the world 
with his message, his message of the kingdom of God? Did he succeed in in making us more loving, more just, and more whole? And just like Tom Juneau, I don't ask that question as a critic, but I ask that question as someone who's particularly close to the, the person that's being asked about. You know, I'm a pastor, of course, right? But I don't even ask that question from my professional occupation. I ask it from a, a personal place that I, I've shared with you all in various contexts that I grew up in a, a different version of Christianity than the one that I now occupy. And one of the first things that I was taught growing up was that the most important relationship in my life would be the one that I had with Jesus. And if you stop to think about that for more than two seconds, that's kind of a strange idea, Right? That the most important relationship with, in my life is with someone that I haven't actually physically met. It's someone who lived 2,000 years ago in a vastly different culture and context than me, but someone we still believe is alive and who is part of who God is now. It's someone that I only know as his life is mediated through different channels, as his life is mediated through the collective memories that were written down by the gospel writers, as it was written down by theologians But despite all of that, I am incredibly grateful for the ways that they have made Jesus accessible to me. And so even as I have gone through these various theological shifts and transformations in my life, I can say that that my relationship with Jesus is still the most important one in my life. And so when I ask that question, was Jesus successful in influencing the world, I'm asking it as someone who feels and who has experienced a particular kind of closeness with Jesus, one that is incredibly personal. You know, the Christianity I grew up up with wanted to always define, they want you to talk about your personal relationship with Jesus, but that is a hard thing to do, right? That it's personal, it's unique to you, and it's hard to name that. Was Jesus successful in influencing the world? Because Jesus had a singular vision of the kingdom of God. We can also call it the reign of God, or what's become more in vogue these days among progressive circles is the kingdom of God. And and I'll confess, I sort of like that idea of the kingdom of God, especially in this conversation about Mr. Rogers. It gives this idea of less hierarchy, this kind of neighborhood feel, like we're in the, the neighborhood of God's concern. And so Jesus, standing before his home congregation, talks about what the kingdom of God is all about. He says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because God has anointed me. God has given me this special purpose to bring good news to the poor and release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to announce the year of God's favor. This is the the thesis statement of Jesus' life. Everything Jesus says, everything Jesus does will will flow from and support this thesis statement, this statement of bringing good news to the poor, recovery of, of sight to the blind, to announce the year of God's favor. And Jesus did that. He, he reached out with compassionate hands to those that society had sort of forgotten about. The ones that are called the least of these are brothers and sisters. As a rabbi in Roman-occupied Palestine, he upset the status quo, the powers that be, both religious and political. Jesus lived out that message of the kingdom of God. But was Jesus successful in influencing the world? Because I'll be honest with you, there are times I'm not sure that Jesus was successful at influencing people who call themselves Christians. Uh, I'm not always sure that he's done that, because sometimes I feel closer to people who have a different faith than me than I do to 
those who would profess to be Christians. So did Jesus succeed in making us more loving, more just, more compassionate to the poor? Did he succeed in helping us to see that the the year of God's favor has indeed arrived? Tom Juneau was, was asked in an interview why he thinks Mr. Rogers has had this sort of renaissance, why there's so much renewed interest in Mr. Rogers' life almost 20 years after his death. And he says that he thinks that it comes from a place of need, that as we look around at our celebrities, our icons, our authority figures, so many of them lack love and kindness. And so Mr. Rogers shows us, I think, what we all desire, that he asks us not only what kind of person am I, but what kind of people are we becoming? that he challenges us, that that Tom Juneau says that it's easier to remember Mr. Rogers as a a nice man rather than a demanding one. And what he meant by that was was that he thought in his context that Mr. Rogers didn't want to just be nice to him, but he wanted something from him. He wanted him to know, first of all, that he was loved, that Tom Juneau was loved unconditionally, But then the hope, I think, beyond that is that Mr. Rogers hoped that we would be people who are shaping our lives around love and neighborliness and kindness, that we would create our own little neighborhoods in the world that could bring the sorts of healing to the world that are so desperately needed. That all he was looking for, Tom Juneau said, was for somebody to step up. At the very beginning of this series, a few of us were in the back uh, in the sound booth discussing uh, who is Mr. Rogers for this generation? And my afi- initial knee-jerk kind of reaction was, well, there isn't a Mr. Rogers for this generation. He was unique and one of a kind. But I think I might change my answer now. Who is Mr. Rogers for this generation? I think that it can be each and every one of us. That we just need to step up. We need to be people who step up for, for love and kindness, for neighborliness. Was Mr. Rogers successful? Yes. Every time in a world filled with conditional love and hatred, we stand up for love, unconditional love, universal acceptance, to let people know that they are loved just as they are, then I think Mr. Rogers has succeeded. Mr. Rogers succeeds every time in a world where we are retreating back into our our echo chambers and a world filled with outrage. Instead, we stand up for kindness I think Mr. Rogers succeeds in those moments. The world will always be imperfect. And I think that we will always be asking that question about the figures who show us a new way of life, about Mr. Rogers, about Jesus, about others. Were they successful? And all that means to me is that that is an opportunity for all of us to step up. It is an opportunity for us to step up with love and kindness and to make those messages successful, to continue to build the neighborhood of God's concern. Was Jesus successful? Yes. Every time we bring good news to the poor, not just to their immediate needs, but also for the systems that keep them poor. Every time we bring, uh, we bring release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, every time we announce the year of God's favor, Jesus was successful. Every time that we step up, that message is successful. And that is what we are doing here today, that we are making our pledges for the upcoming year, and we are stepping up and committing to building this little neighborhood in God's kingdom. We are stepping up to build a little neighborhood that brings love and and grace and, and wholeness and justice to other places in the world. 
It's been fun watching our houses be put up downstairs, all the different places that we live. That is, that is Greenfield's neighborhood. It is bigger than just this little spot here in Berkeley, but it expands outward. And every time that we act with love, every time we act with kindness, every time we make the world a little neighborhood, that message continues to succeed. So may it be so among us. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood because we can make it so. Thanks be to God. Amen.